You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all. It is the greatest show on the SB Nation NFL show. Monday Football Monday featuring the audio stylings of Michael Kist, Pete Sweeney, and myself, Arjo Cho. It is the Monday following week 14, the NFL regular season very quickly coming to a halt. For the first time, I believe, in the history of Monday Football Monday, all three teams that we cover, you can check out Bleeding Green Nation to see more of Michael Kist, Arrowhead Pride to see more of Pete Sweeney, and Blog of the Boys to see more of myself. All three of our squads won. That is maybe the most important thing, or rather that it is the most wonderful time of the year. Michael Kist, it's good to be with you, sir. How is your Monday going? Oh, it's fantastic. It's a it's a victory Monday. We got a lot of football to talk about. We're going to talk about some division winners and get into some some key matchups. We're going to talk with uh, Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain about uh, the Bills-Steelers matchup that went down and uh, obviously talk some Chiefs since they're uh, number one seed. But look, uh, apologies here for disrupting the flow of the show. I'm not even going to give Pete Sweeney a chance to upstage me here. I'm going straight to the premium content. Look, <laughs> you guys know that I am the number one Titans fan here at SB Nation. Nobody argues this. And everybody was concerned about them after they got boat raced by the Browns last week, including myself. I get it. But they come out early against the Jaguars and come up with the yeet of the week. The 37-yard flea flicker touchdown to A.J. Brown. Ryan Tannehill puts it in a perfect spot to allow A.J. Brown working against Sidney Jones to haul in a one-handed grab. Some next-gen stats on this because I love next-gen stats with A.J. Brown. The completion probability on this throw was 22%. The NFL average on throws with less than a 25% probability is 20% completions. A.J. Brown's career catch rate on those is 50%. So he's catching half of those low probability throws, well more than double the league average. He is bonkers. And as everybody often says, it does not get tougher than on the road in Jacksonville. I'm really not sure if anybody says that. And hey, <laughs> the point is, we are back, baby. Hashtag tighten up. Let's go. Congratulations to the Tennessee Titans winning the most coveted award that Monday Football Monday offers. Pete, I think you have um, like a ribbon of some sort that you've handed out a couple of times. Um, maybe if if there's time, you know, we'll get there. Always appreciate that out of the scouting university or whatever it was, champ. <laughs> Come up of the week will be much later in the show. You're going to have to listen for a while to get there. Notice that uh, Kissed, when he was giving out the Yeet of the Week, said he came up with the Yeet of the Week. So even when he tries to get away from it, it is on his mind. We know that. Uh, stay tuned. RJ. Well, uh, there are a lot of awards that we hand out here on Monday Football Monday. If you want to hand us an award, make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts. We are available on all major podcast platforms. Leave a rating. Five-star review certainly appreciate it, but we appreciate your honesty more than anything. Also, write a review. If you have a question, you're a Titans fan, you're a Yeet of the Week fan, maybe uh, Mr. and Mrs. Sweeney, you're a Come Up of the Week fan, you know, let us wow. know in the comments. If you have any questions, we promise to answer them. Uh, a bit of a teaser, I have been awarded 
awarding the green jacket of the week for the last couple of weeks, I've altered it. I've decided that my award is a floating award, and uh, I think you'll both appreciate what it will be later on in the show. Uh, let's start off, though, Kist. Uh, primarily, you have covered the Philadelphia Eagles for SB Nation over at BleedingGreenNation.com. And uh, goodness gracious, the Philadelphia Eagles taking down the New Orleans Saints 24-21. to The final score, I think, a little bit misleading. I thought it was a, a more authoritative win than that. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, his first start, very impressive. It's fascinating to consider what is going through the mind of Carson Wentz at the moment. Lots of takes percolating in the aftermath of this win. Pete, I'm sorry, I went to kiss a minute ago first, and I'm going to do it again because, well, frankly, uh, I'm fascinated to hear what he has to say about this. <laughs> yeah, so you look at this one, and I thought the Eagles played uh, really f- a fantastic team football, right? Complimentary football. The defense came up with some key stops. They, they hold the Saints scoreless in the first half. Jalen Hurts just does just enough in this game. Nothing flashy, nothing special. They really catered the offense to him. They made it basic. Uh, They didn't ask him to read the middle of the field. He had a lot of perimeter throws near the line of scrimmage. Now, how defenses adjust to that moving forward, we'll see. But against the number two DVOA-ranked defense in the Saints, it was impressive just to see how they were able to stay on schedule. A lot of that is due to the scrambling ability of Jalen Hurts, right? So he keeps them on schedule. Miles Sanders with a big explosive run at the end of the first half really separates the Eagles in this game, puts them up 17 to nothing. I think the takes are going to be a bit crazy, but I also think RJ and you alluded to this. Carson Wentz has really got to be in his feelings. (laughs) on this one because the offense did just function better with Jalen Hurts in there. And I told you last week, if it looks the same, if it looks better, it doesn't look great for Wentz because this is yet again a backup quarterback stepping in and and everything looks better. And I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the long-term answer, but I do think that he is, and Doug in his presser today and, and yesterday has not yet named a starter for next week against the Cardinals. <laughs> you can stop lying to us. Jalen Hurts has to be the guy for the rest of the season. I don't think this is a playoff team. I don't think this is a big push, but it was encouraging to see that at least something about that second round pick that made no sense at the time is panning out and what you get is improved offensive play. Pete, I, I think that this story is underreported on a national level. Certainly Kist and all the BGN loyalists know about it. Carson Wentz refused to run things that worked well for Nick right. Foles. I don't think that that hit the national, you know, sort of hype train that a lot of stories do, because if it had, he would he would be really criminalized and, and really kind of, you know, regarded as this pompous, arrogant, you know, narcissistic, whatever you want to call it. Do you think that there's there's a, a more than a modicum, but a modicum of truth to the fact that, you know, Jalen Hurts is in there. And so this is the true Doug Peterson offense that we saw. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I have, I think some points that maybe Philadelphia Eagles fans are going to like here. I actually watched a a bit of this game this morning and I, I zoned in on Jalen hurts. And the first thing that jumps out obviously is his dual threat ability. I think with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, and even to a lesser extent, but they still have it. Watson, Wilson, Mahomes, Allen, being able to just pose the question to the defense is the quarterback about to break off a run here. Hurt certainly has that. I like the poise in game one, his awareness at the end of the first half with the clock and getting out of bounds and the timeout to get the Eagles a field goal uh, try. They didn't get it, but it's what you want to see from a starting quarterback and not always guaranteed when it is a rookie in his first career start. 
Hertz had decisive decision making, both throwing the football and on the RPOs, the run pass options. I know he almost blew it at the end of the game there with the fumble, but I'm trying to look at the game here as a whole. Here's the key for me. As I watched these highlights, I tend to think about, well, what does this remind me of? And you guys know Doug Peterson is Andy Reid's disciple. I cover the Chiefs for Arrowhead Pride. I thought, well, is this maybe Mahomes-ish? But it's not Mahomes. Hertz doesn't have the arm to me. It's the Alex Smith offense to me in his final year as a chief in 2017. RPO heavy. Make the choice to run or pass. Go win the football game by making good decisions and not shooting yourself in the foot. Kissed, I'd encourage you to go watch some of those Alex Smith 2017 games. It reminded me just of the, of the offense that I saw yesterday. Yeah. All in all, this has the feel to me of a decision made too late, which is a tough break for Eagles fans, but I think this could... And let me emphasize, could be a franchise guy, and that's more than a lot of teams can say in the NFL right now. On the other side of this, I hope Carson Wentz finds a change of scenery because I don't think his career is over by any stretch, but I don't know how you go away from Hurts both now and in the future if you're Philly. And then for me on the Saints side, this defense was not ready for the new offense, and how could they be? Uh, And they were missing their quarterback. The Saints have the Chiefs next week. I like the team as a whole in New Orleans, but unless Breeze is back for that game, it looks like that's questionable. There is 0.0 chance they're beating the Kansas City Chiefs, and we'll see when they can get Breeze back and how they'll do in the playoffs. Yeah, and I want to follow up on that point from RJ, too, and really nail it home. And I think, Pete, maybe it's a little premature to say that the Eagles should stick with Jalen Hurts for the long term. I do want to see how defenses adjust to the film that they got on Jalen Hurts as they kind of creep closer to the line. Can he hit the explosive plays? Because those were still missing from this offense. So I want to see how that plays out. But I think RJ had it right when he said there was a story and we had this guy on a a BGN, Joe Santa Liquido, who had a ton of sources and said that Carson didn't want to run the full stuff. And he has a big influence on the game plan. This is something that I've mentioned before. So when Eagles fans ask, why didn't Doug run this offense or run this concept or run more of this type of stuff? I honestly think it's because it's the offense that Carson Wentz is comfortable playing in and he's playing in it poorly. So now you have a Jalen Hurts quarterback come in and you see the offense change a little bit. and You go, oh, why, why isn't Doug doing this for Carson? Well, I don't know, man. Every time a backup steps in, the offense seems to run just fine. So you tell me. Rookies don't say no. Right. And rookies don't say no. They're just going to say, yes, yeah, so if you think that this is best, I'm going to run it because I want to be the starter. And maybe that's what you need. You know, you've both said some iteration of too little, too late for the Eagles. And obviously that's true for the 2020 campaign. I and, and this is painful to acknowledge as a Cowboys fan. I think this is an incredible step forward for the Philadelphia Eagles organization, because let's let's be honest the eagles right now the rest of the season is a focus group right like there there's no playoff hopes like whatever you're mathematically alive this is washington's division we'll get to the football team in a little bit people change it'll be a big thing um but kissed you can correct me if i'm wrong here and i know you had the kissed and solak show on bgn radio afterwards the idea that carson wentz was the problem is more universally accepted now than it ever has been is that not true yeah, absolutely. And so if if you I know it's painful to consider moving on from him and the financial implications of it and everything, but if you can determine that as close as you can to beyond a shadow of a doubt, then whether Jalen Hurts is the future or not, his coming in was a success because it it proved that right in an experimental phase. And so, you know, good for the Philadelphia Eagles. The New Orleans Saints, uh my only thought are they 
I don't want to say they're paper tigers, but they're a little bit of front runners, just a little bit. And the Saints are very quick to tell you how great they are, uh, et cetera. And, you know, they played a bunch of tomato cans, you know, as far as Drew Brees' timeout, uh, the Falcons twice, the Denver Broncos, literally without a quarterback. It's hard to say they finally ran into a good team, but they, but they finally ran into a situation that they weren't overwhelmingly prepared for, or overwhelmingly favored against. Yep. And so I'm very fascinated to see how they fare in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, it, it does feel like things are normalizing a little bit with that situation. And you're right, Pete, they'll probably lose to the Chiefs. Uh, Kissed, get on that 2017 Alex Smith film when you get a chance. I know you got a lot of free time. Um, <laughs> speaking of the Chiefs, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs now the number one seed in the AFC. There's something nice, I think, to the fact that the Chiefs and Packers could be the top seeds uh, in a year where the NFL only has one of them, kind of a back-to-original uh, form. But the Chiefs beating the Miami Dolphins 35 to 27 after a little bit of a scare Patrick Mahomes looked mortal for part of this game Pete yeah. how concerned were you uh early on as things struggled down in Miami like they did uh I don't know about you know 10 or so months ago I gotta be honest here and I'm not even joking or whatever I know sometimes I'll kind of go crazy with the Chiefs but unless they're down by two scores with less than half the fourth quarter to go. It's hard to be scared at any point with this team. And that was the case. I mean, the Dolphins did have a 10 nothing lead, but it was six minutes into the game. Patrick Mahomes usually finds a way to turn it around. And he did in this game. The Chiefs at the beginning of the second quarter, really to like midway through the third quarter, were dominant. And there is a feeling when they're playing like that on all sides of the football, special teams included with a punt return touchdown in this game. There's a feeling of like, what are we doing? Why are we all doing this for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl again? How is anyone going to stop this team? The problem is that the Chiefs are letting other teams back into it. They don't play like that for four quarters, 60 minutes of a game. They were down by 10. You blink and it's 30 to 10. And then all of a sudden you have this situation where Tua and the Dolphins start creeping back in. And they've been able to beat the Carolina Panthers, Las Vegas Raiders, the Bucks while they're struggling, the Denver Broncos, and the Dolphins all in a similar way. But to me, it's hard to wonder what happens in an AFC title game, in a competitive AFC divisional game, where you're playing teams that are playing really good football at the time. If you don't play for 60 minutes and you have these situations where Mahomes finally does look human, or the defense doesn't play well, or the offensive line can't work in the run game or protect Mahomes, then it could get interesting. And I, I think what I'm seeing in the Chiefs is if they can get it together and they have three weeks to figure it out, I don't know how anyone stops them. But if we see more of the same, where it's coming down to one score for next week, which will be the sixth week in a row, it's a one-score game. And after that, I, I just wonder if they're going to be able to pull off this repeat and on the other side, I admittedly came into the game questioning both the Dolphins' legitimacy and that of Tua. I think the Dolphins are legit. I think they'll be in the playoffs. And I think the Chiefs will see them again at Arrowhead Stadium. By them, they should have at least one running back. So I believe the Chiefs will have to have their team in order, as I was talking about. I also questioned if Tua could be a top 10 quarterback in this league. I think he has the chops. Uh, a fun note, I thought it was kind of cool that at least in my mind, Jalen Hurts and Tua emerged as probable NFL legitimate starters on the same day. So as Nick Saban says, quit asking. <laughs> and a note to my pal RJ, if you go back to previous Monday Football Mondays, I had suggested 
tight end Travis Kelsey for Offensive Player of the Year. And there was kind of a distinct scoff by RJ. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Dalvin Cook. <laughs> Three weeks to play. Kelsey, a tight end, is ahead of the rest of the NFL by 70 receiving yards. And I, I still think that he wins Offensive Player of the Year. So, Kissed, the Chiefs... Golden State Warriors comps have been low-hanging fruit for sports analysts everywhere. They make a lot of sense, especially when you consider how quickly they can erase a deficit. Talking about the Warriors at the peak of their powers, obviously. You know, it's we've had a good time ribbing Pete, but I'll, I'll set you up like this. I I don't think that there is anyone remotely close. I don't think that the the gap between the best team in the NFL and the field has been this wide. I, I mean, maybe since what the I hate to say the 07 Patriots, but like th- that 2013 Seahawks team had a really wide gap. I feel like from the rest of the league, I know the offense wasn't there at the time, or, or rather, I'll say this: I know they didn't win the Super Bowl, but the 2015 Panthers were just at a different level than everybody else. And it, it feels like that. It feels like gravity is not 9.81 meters per second squared for Kansas City. It feels like they can walk on the moon. Absolutely. I mean, they Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions at one point, and they were up two scores against a, against a playoff contender. Early on, two, two early interceptions for Patrick Mahomes in his first 10 throws, no less. And it's whole hum, who cares? There's just too much speed, too much talent on this team, and there's zero panic in them, regardless of the situation. Right. Or deficit because of all that talent. And you also know you got Mahomes back there and he only slumps for so long. These dudes are dogs. And I say that because the short term memory of a dog is about two minutes, give or take. And the Chiefs are about the same. This is from Steven Ruiz of USA Today's For the Win. He says that the Chiefs Dolphins was the was only the seventh time since 2010 that a team won after committing four turnovers with a turnover margin of negative three. How do you even yeah. on their worst day? They are extremely hard to beat. So I get Pete's concerns, but I do agree with you, RJ, that I think it's the Chiefs and it's everybody else. And I think you're going to see that in hyperdrive in the playoffs. I feel that same way, too. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, I during that period, it seems like NBA jam or not NBA jam. It feels like space jam where it's just the monsters. And, and how is anyone ever supposed to stop this team? I think what is telling about that, and we talked about Mahomes, you don't see Mahomes make mistakes he did. He had two interceptions on the first three drives, but then right. he goes on the rest of the game to have 303 yards and two touchdowns. How often do you see a quarterback struggle in the NFL and then just continue struggling the rest of the day? Mm-hmm. It, it didn't happen with Mahomes, and and I think that's part of the reason that the Chiefs won. His final interception was his play by Xavier Howard. Just a one-handed Beast. catch on Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill, nobody can defend, and Xavier Howard actually won some reps, which I think is saying a lot. I, yeah. I think we could be looking at the best cornerback in the NFL in Howard. Maybe the best secondary in the NFL in Miami. Byron Jones got his first interception as a member of the Dolphins. <laughs> Worth noting that former Cowboys Jeff Heath and Byron Jones have picked off Patrick Mahomes uh, here in 2020. I also think to the to the Chiefs' love we've given, it also says it's kind of like, you know, um, like, a microcosm of, of who they are that Patrick Mahomes kind of, you know, I don't want to say he's having like the worst season of his NFL career because that makes it sound so bad, but he's just operated far more flawlessly, right? I think we would all agree. And he's still like the front runner for MVP, which just kind of speaks to his ultimate power. To your point, Pete, about the Monstars, and I know I poo-pooed the Travis Kelsey thing. It's not like <laughs> Mahomes gets all the credit and, and or is right. the face of it all, but it's it's more than that. It's it's that Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill and it's Travis Kelsey 
Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. And it's Andy Reid. It's this perfect marriage of everything. Um, and you're right. I think that any other team would have to have a perfect day against a fallible moment from Kansas City. And maybe that team is Buffalo. Uh, the Buffalo Bills announcing themselves on Sunday Night Football. Really big statement win. I think it should be a rule that we get a game in Buffalo every year in December. It was a lot of fun to watch. 26 to 15, a weird score. I don't think it's Scorigami. Uh, the final score, 10 to 3, or 10 and 3, the Buffalo Bills are. The Pittsburgh Steelers falling to 11 and 2. Uh, they have won zero games this past week and now look like mortals, Michael Kist. Yeah, and look, Pete mentioned that quicksand effect with uh, quarterbacks before. You play poorly and it just, it just, it keeps rolling, kind of like that movie, The Replacements with uh, uh, Keanu Reeves. But I mean, we watched the Bills. Quicksand's a scary mother. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we watched the Bills play their worst offensive first half of the season, in my opinion, and still beat the Steelers by multiple scores. That's really impressive. Josh Allen has has a very short memory for these things. He's got great competitive toughness. Uh, being in that situation and then coming back in the second half and really balling out was just a, a beautiful performance by him. By the way, Josh Allen wasn't even born when the Bills last won the AFC East. That was back in 1995. And they now possess a two-game lead with three games to go. And concerning Josh Allen, look, I've had quite the quite the week interacting with Bill's Mafia. I signed the apology form. I donated to the Children's Hospital. I put video up of me going through a table on on Twitter. Uh, I am a full fledged Wyoming days. Yeah, I am a I'm a full fledged Bills Mafia member. I believe in this team, and I think they're the closest thing in the AFC to the Chiefs for sure because I think. They are the only team that can put together a full game and score with the Chiefs, too. The Chiefs and Bills met on a rainy night earlier in the season. And right. It really changed the game where the Chiefs sort of ran all over them. I, I don't think it'll be the same as long as there's no precipitation. We'll see what ends up happening when they meet, if they meet at Arrowhead Stadium in the playoffs. Quickly on this game, because I know we have an interview, I thought a little bit here. It showed how much two skill position players can affect the game. Deontay Johnson had two drops early on, and it just was like the Steelers sort of struggled the rest of the way. 12 drops on the year, too, for a talented wide receiver that's sort of emerging. There is that sub storyline that he might have the yips. And then Stefan Diggs on the other side, who just took over the game, as you were saying in the second half. How often do we see the scenario of a disgruntled player where the team is wrong to get rid of him? It's usually the other way around, where this player is upset, he goes he goes to, an, and the team is better off. I mean, we saw it with Antonio Brown in about six places. Minnesota traded Diggs for a first, which they turned into Justin Jefferson. So both sort of win there, right? But Diggs is truly a number one, has injected life into Josh Allen's career, 10 catches, 130, and a touchdown in this game. My only thought on Josh Allen um, and the Bills really is, this is so rare. I know this exists with Patrick Mahomes, Pete, but where the quarterback is just like emblematic of the culture of where he's playing. And we've yeah. really seen that with Josh Allen lately. And, and it's just he fits like that's I know that's there's no like data or science there. I thought the story that Mike Tirico told about the Frank Gore jersey was so cool. Like the, yeah. everything about Josh Allen is just fun. It's great to see the Bills competitive. Obviously, you wish you could see the mafia in full force, but they're fun to root for. Uh, I'm, I'm with Kiss. I've been on on the mafia a little bit before you because you've been preoccupied with the Titans and whatever, you know, no big deal. <laughs> Music City Mike. They're a lot of fun. And I, I believe have the best color rush uniforms in the NFL in terms of how they blend with their normal color scheme. Um, it's it's nice to sure. see the Bills get that red pop in every now and then. I love the blue, but uh, it just looks really great. I think the I think the white is better. I think the white with the old school 
white with the red logo. Oh, gold. the like the OJ oh. Simpson. Well, I mean, they have great uniforms in general. I mean, you know, yeah. let's let's be Tremendous. clear about that. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers have some fine unis, but not um, not ones that were on the winning side on Sunday night. Kissed, you spoke with Jeff Hartman from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, SB Nation's home for Pittsburgh Steelers content. Let's hear what Jeff has to say about a team that has a lot of questions. Jeff, welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show here on Monday Football Monday. How you doing, brother? Oh, I've been better. I've <laughs> been better for sure. But uh, if if the Steelers losing are the, the biggest issues I deal with, then I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could be much worse in a lot of respects. And look, apologies for making you come on here and, and making you relive a loss. We usually try to be more chipper here, but it, it's a pretty big <laughs> game that just happened last night regarding the yeah. AFC landscape. So we're going to dig in. Bills 26, Steelers 15. The Bills offense really got going in the second half after kind of being, you know, slow to build up in the first half there. And the Steelers offense was pretty anemic on the night. How did this one overall go down, Jeff? It's it, boy, did it seem like the pick six at the end of the first half just really changed everything. Yeah. It changed everything in, in the dynamic of the game. Uh, you're looking at a Steelers defense that did such a good job against Josh Allen and company in the first two quarters. And then. To go into the locker room down when you didn't have anything to do with that is just crushing. And then there were some questionable decisions coaching-wise in the second half. Uh, the Bills definitely made an adjustment to get Stephon Diggs open, and the Steelers never adjusted to that. But the, offensively, the Steelers were 1-for-10 on third down. You're not going to win a football game when you convert one time out of 10 opportunities. Uh, it's just not good enough. And the Steelers, they've been relying on the takeaway, and they get two. And one of those does equate to a touchdown, but th their offense is just absolutely dreadful right now. Absolutely awful. Let's talk about that because the, the Steelers over the last three weeks, they played some pretty good defenses. I think two of them are top 10 in DVOA. The, the Bills are kind of average in that regard, but even still an average of 17 points per game in that stretch shows a team going cold at the wrong time of the year. Yeah. To what do you attribute those offensive woes? How much do they concern you? Well, that's a big question among Steeler fans right now is this this offense averaged 30 points per game just, a, just about midway point through the season. So what changed? Well, what didn't change is the Steelers didn't change. The Steelers offense, which was kind of no one was really doing it the way that they were doing it around that mid, mid midway point. They were just using that short passing game. Roethlisberger was getting the ball out of his hands, and th that meant that the pass rush couldn't even get to him. The problem is, is that, well, defenses adjust, and as the defense adjusts to Pittsburgh's offense, the Steelers are not adjusting to anything. And now the question is, is can they even adjust? They can't run the ball, and Ben Roethlisberger's accuracy and arm strength down the field is now being questioned and you throw on top the fact that, you know, Jason Lock and Fora before the game Sunday was saying that the, the organization's worried about his knees. So now it's not just a matter of, well, the defense is catching up to the offense. It's the offense can't adjust to anything that they want to do. This is really their only way of moving the football. And if a defense is going to crowd the line of scrimmage, they're going to catch and they're going to tackle the catch, so to speak, and they're not going to let you run the ball. You're screwed. Yeah. And that's exactly what the Steelers are, are doing and what, what the fans are seeing right now. Yeah, I 100% agree. I see defenses creeping up, taking away that quick time to throw the quick game for Ben. And it is causing them some problems. And their early woes with passing the ball downfield are now a little more highlighted because of that. So that, that's a great point, Jeff. And, and looking at the overall picture here, you look at inside the division here. The Browns are 9-3 and three with the Ravens on the docket tonight on Monday Night Football. Uh, if they win, they have a pretty clear path to 12 wins before the Week 17 showdown with the Steelers. 
The Steelers are a game and a half up on the Browns in the AFC North. Predict the future for, for me here, Jeff. Do the Steelers clinch the North before Week 17, or does it come down to the wire? Gosh, there's so much riding on this game tonight on Monday night. I mean, Steeler fans have a lot invested in this game, and I hate to say it, you got to root for the Ravens. I I feel like I need to take a shower after saying that, but (laughs) you have to root for the Ravens because if they can beat the Browns in their place on Monday night football, and the Steelers go out and beat the Bengals next week on Monday night football, it's setting themselves up that it, all they would have to probably do is is beat Indy at home, which they play well against Indianapolis. And then that Week 17 game would be would basically be nothing, and it, the, the, the division would be locked up. If I'm predicting the future, I'm going to say that the, the Steelers will have it locked up before Week 17. I don't think Week 17 is going to matter. But at the same time, I never foresaw this house of cards falling like it has the last two weeks either. Right. So I don't know if you would put too much stock into that. Yeah, man, football is chaos. You never know. <laughs> but I appreciate the insight there. Definitely a massive game tonight between the Browns and the Ravens in terms of his playoff implications. Look, Looking at the just Steelers overall picture here, there are some people in the national media that thought that the 11-0 and Steelers were maybe a bit, to use the word fraudulent might be harsh, but maybe a bit of a paper tiger. Maybe that record wasn't truly representative of uh, the overall quality of the team. Those people are probably taking a victory lap today. But tell me why, and I don't know if you think this, but tell me why they're ultimately going to be proven wrong if you, in fact, think they're wrong. Well, the thing is, is teams change so much and injuries change so much. And so when you think about the Steelers when they were 8-0, 9-0, middle of the season, and a lot of people said this team isn't really tested. They're not that good. Well, when you looked at things on paper, the, the teams that they had played and their records was very, you know, it's very comparable to Kansas City and where right. they were at that time. And so there's people that want to bring up that argument of who have they played, who have they beaten. And then there's the the Steeler fans that say, well, we can't set our schedule. We just play whoever we play. I will say that what concerns me about this team and People that, that want to look back and say, I told you so, that's fine. You have every right to do so. They've looked like garbage the last two weeks. But the one thing that's glaring is that this team is not the same team that was in the middle of the season scoring 30 points per game. They don't look like they, they look like a shell of that team. The defense injuries are creeping up. I mean, last night they had Avery Williamson, an inside linebacker, wearing the green dot. He was a trade acquisition from the Jets. Right. Other than that, they had safeties playing linebacker, essentially. I mean, Robert Spillane, who filled in for Devin Bush, he's on injured reserve now. Bud Dupree's gone for the year. Um, I mean, they're just getting they're getting banged up. It's happening at the worst possible time. Everyone talks about wanting to play their best football at the end of the season, and it seems like the Steelers are, right now at least, backpedaling into the playoffs because they already clinched a playoff spot. But people are going to say what they want to say, and that's fine. Colin Cowherd and all those clowns are going to be able to say, I told you so. But the Steelers are going to have to do some soul-searching here and figure out if they're going to make a, a splash at all. What's it going to look like? Because what they're doing right now is not working. Right. So it's a very fascinating storyline to track as we get into the last few weeks of the uh, NFL season here. We'll see who comes out on top in the North and then who comes out top in the playoffs. So we got a lot of football left. Jeff, of course, we appreciate you coming on. Go ahead and plug where people can find your work, your podcast, your site, all that stuff, man. Plug away. Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter. It's jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T for Pittsburgh. Um, and then you can obviously find us behind the steel curtain.com anywhere where you get your podcast. I do my morning let's ride podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. Check it out. Just search Steelers or behind the steel curtain, follow and subscribe. We appreciate it. We'll be back after a very quick break from a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is 
you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It is Monday Football Monday, the premiere show on the Espionation NFL show, though I am also partial to the look ahead kissed, I believe, uh, the Pupcast also up there in terms of premium Espionation NFL show mm-hmm. content. Oddcast is fine if you've got some time to kill on Tuesdays, whatever the case may be. Uh, <laughs> right I know right. that B- BLG runs through his power rankings and whatnot, and I imagine that the Green Bay Packers will be the top team in the NFC. I know that I've been saying, to circle my wagons, shout out to the Bills again, that the Packers are the best team in the NFC for a while now, and now that is firmly the case. They are now 10-3. and three. They are NFC North champions thanks to their victory over the Detroit Lions, the 3-1-3 in sorrows once again. Pete, how did that make you feel? I'm all right. I mean, I, I it is what it is. I don't really have a take on that, to tell you the truth. But I do have a take on on this game and, and how what it means for both of these franchises and I, I think how it fits into the NFC. The Packers, to me, got away with another one. Similar to the Chiefs just toying with the team and the Dolphins, this was a division rival. Who it should be better than, in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers remains a force, 390 for three touchdowns. Devontae in the mix as well. In a wide-open NFC, I guess I just have a hard time thinking their defense allows them to come out. But because it's so wide open and there is so much parity, maybe they do anyway. Watching the Packers in a weird way made me think about the Los Angeles Rams. And in the Rams, I'm not sure they're the best team, but they might be playing the most dominant football at the right time. We've seen a couple sides of the Rams this year. And I look at the remaining schedules, and I was playing with the playoff machine because it's playoff machine season, spelled S-Z-N. And the Packers schedule remaining is Panthers, Titans, Bears, Rams have the Jets, Seahawks, and Cardinals. The Saints have the Chiefs, Vikings, and Panthers. I was playing with the playoff machine, and it really seems like the bye is either going to go to the Packers or the Saints because the Rams would need a lot of things to happen to to get that bye week. But I don't know if they necessarily need it. I, I think, I think, and I'm almost ready to say it, that I, I think the Rams are going to emerge from the NFC and Ooh. win the NFC Ooh. title game. That's how I'm feeling right now. 
Maybe that'll change, but I, I think I'm sticking with that. And then quickly on the other side, and, I'll, and Kist, I'll let you kind of talk about this as well. I just feel bad for Matt Stafford. I feel like he's never really had the best head coaches. He has one of the greatest receivers of all time and decides to walk away at 30 because of a lack of a winning culture and other things. Stafford obviously faced some off-the-field adversity. And each and every year, it just seems like another problem, like, this year, finally, they have a great running back, and all of a sudden, he has this breakout game, and boom, concussion and practice can't play for a couple weeks. As I saw him keeled over to, to on Sunday because of, of this rib issue, I looked at his contract, and there's an opt-out for the Lions in 2021, which I guess the new GM will decide upon. Just like with Wentz, I hope they cut him loose and give him an opportunity at a second NFL career, so to speak, maybe like we saw with Drew Brees. He'll only be 33 next year, and there'll be a team out there who to me will be a quarterback, a franchise piece away, maybe give him an opportunity to have some success before he has to call it quits. I know that Rob Stats Guerrera has uh, opined for Matt Stafford to end up the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, being in the Bay Area, Kissed, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Matt Stafford played Little League Baseball with Clayton Kershaw, also plays professionally in the state of California. Um, but the, the, the Matt Patricia-less Lions... Did they make your heart sore? Look, I really don't care about the Lions for the rest of the season. I'm way <laughs> less interested in this singular game, if I'm being honest. I mean, it's another excellent performance from Aaron Rodgers that I might have to highlight on the Palpably Unfair podcast when I go through the top QB performances. Uh, like Pete is, I'm more interested in the ramifications that this has in the playoff race, especially when factoring in the aforementioned Saints loss that happened yesterday. I think the Pack are primed to run the table and go into the playoffs red hot as a Agreed. one seed. Uh, we call the ma- uh, On the Palpably Unfair podcast, we also called the major projection for the pack winning the North a few weeks ago in the middle of the Bears meltdown. I'm calling a major projection here. Packers take the number one seed and get the bye. And I'm willing to bet with Pete, we take a week off from the yeet of the week. If the Rams take the one seed, reverse for the come up. What do you think? Will you take that bet, Pete? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Wow. You know what? That's I don't think the Ram I think the Rams are gonna be NFC champions. I have a hard time thinking they win the one mm. seed because the Packers schedule. So Coward. while I'm unafraid of a bet in the future, and okay. let's come up with something, I am unwilling to say the Rams will get the one seed. If you want to bet the NFC on that, I'm I'm ready to call the Rams for the NFC title. Let's do this. Whoever <laughs> finishes further in the playoff race. How about that? Kiss this Packers That's, versus Pete's I'm Rams. I'm good with that. Oh, okay, so no, you're gonna add. You're just adding more chaos to it. You're adding more variants. I don't know what injuries are gonna happen in the next. This is. I'm talking about the next three weeks. You're talking about like possibly what eight is seven, six weeks from now. Come on, Pete. You know that's, that's a, a fair bad point. <laughs> I looked at McVeigh on Thursday and I said, "This is a man with his eye on the prize." And I've called it before with Kelsey winning O O Player of the Year. I called it with the Dub <sighs> FT weeks ago before they even were sniffing winning the NFC East division, and I feel the Rams are going to come out of there, and maybe, just maybe, we might get that Super Bowl we were supposed to get when the Chiefs were supposed to play the Rams, and it was the Patriots instead. (laughs) The only take I have here, this is a a bitter way to feel as a Cowboys fan. It is, and and I know Peter King wrote about this in Football Monday in America, it is it is apparent that Matt LaFleur is the real deal. That mm-hmm. last season was not some aberration. Uh, it's incredibly impressive what he's done. There were a lot of jokes, had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay and everything, but uh, congratulations to Matt LaFleur. Or what, how, LaFleur? I know there was like some, some Terod Taylor-ness to the pronunciation of his name going around. Uh, so, but either way, congratulations any to the team, Packers. RJ, any, any, any team that get, gets rid of McCarthy has to come up. 
you know, you got to got to keep that. So I'm going to give an honorary come up certainly to the Packers on that one. Anyway, uh, moving on to Pete's actual favorite team, the Washington football team, uh, took a step and, and really, you know, I've been saying for a while, Pete, you know, Pete's opinions aside, uh, that that this was the true favorite to win the NFC East. Kissed, I'm sure you saw there was a lot of New York Giants love because of the little run they had, and that was cute. Uh, but Washington, you know, 23 to 15, the final score, but really not totally indicative. Washington just demolished the San Francisco 49ers in the 49ers' second home game in Arizona. Arizona. The 49ers now fall to five and eight. Kind of, there was some thought that maybe they would get back in the wild card mix. But Pete, I'll let you, um, I'll let you kind of go crazy here. Even though Alex Smith has a calf issue, his future uh, as far as the rest of the season is a bit in doubt. Uh, but either way, mm. this this defense is just so incredible that it's it's hard to bet against them. Yeah, remind you of the defense that, that won the Super Bowl with the Broncos, where you were questioning if they had a quarterback because Peyton Manning's on his last leg, and this was just absolutely dominant defensive dominance from Washington in this game four sacks 12 quarterback hits two defensive touchdowns felt bad for Nick Mullins because he really did a nice enough job hanging in there but any quarterback would have had a bad day against this defense there was some let up late in the game to allow a touchdown but with Dwayne Haskins in and an eight point lead I think there was a very clear feeling in this game that it was up to them if they let up another touchdown, they were going to lose to Haskins or they were going to lose with Haskins in overtime and they were able to get a fourth down stop. You pair this defense with Alex Smith and that is a team I think that you don't want to play in the NFC playoffs regardless of their record, which who knows what it's going to be. Maybe they do get to 500. I know Washington DC will hope to have Antonio Gibson back who's been dealing with turf toe and that's a very mysterious injury. We don't know when he will be back. And you mentioned this, Smith left early in the game with calf tightness in that surgically repaired leg. This football team, quite literally, only had 98 yards in this game and scored 23 points. I'll end my point with this here. I mean, I don't want to say I told you so, but I was on the WFT early on. I knew when Smith took over, I saw this guy just win, baby. Sorry, Raiders fans, but he did it in Kansas City. And he's finding a way to do it uh, in Washington. And then finally, before I turn it over to you, Kiss, this was five and seven versus five and seven. So this marks the end of it for the 49ers after the NFC title last year. A fall from grace, no doubt. But Kyle Shanahan should get credit for keeping this alive as long as he could, given the countless injuries to this team, the COVID situation, so on. Kissed, I want to set you up like this, um, even though Pete has ascribed all of the credit to Washington's success to Alex Smith. Chase Young was marvelous in this game. If we rewound to the 2020 NFL draft, everyone's kind of still learning what Zoom is. Washington's on the <laughs> clock, and you're in charge of the pick. Are you still taking Chase Young, or are you taking Justin Herbert? Ooh, man. Gotta go Young. But I think you have to go Chase Young. I mean, we we didn't know. They had to know what they had in, in, in Haskins. Well, knowing what you know now, that's the whole no, point. Yeah. Knowing what I know now, I probably just I, I, I want the franchise quarterback all the time. But Chase Young is a good consolation prize. Do you know that Alex is going to be ready to do what he's doing right now? Well, then I do. I no. do know that. But also, like, how long is that sustainable for, for Alex yeah. Smith? Like, how, how much does he have left? Right. So we'll if I'm see. looking long term, I think Justin Herbert would be the guy. But that's not to take any, anything away from Chase Young. He, he certainly showed why he was uh, picked so highly, had the pick six. Uh, also, the, the touchdown from seventh round rookie Cameron Curl, who I'm going to be honest, I had no <laughs> he, idea he existed before today. Look, uh, this is this division is Washington's to lose. The Giants are sniffing around at five and eight. So just one game back. They've also beaten Washington twice. 
So they own that head-to-head tiebreaker. The Giants, who, who got pooped on a little bit by the Cardinals on Sunday, by the way, have the Browns, <laughs> Ravens, and Cowboys. Washington has Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles. I think Washington will only need to win one of those, and I think they win two. So I have them as the fourth seed with a world-beating 8-8 eight and eight record on the season, which Woo, honestly – baby. All things considered, that's respectable. That's the best record that I could imagine for this division winner, if we're being honest. Dub yeah. FT. Dub FT. <laughs> BLG and I, uh, when everybody else wanted to slack after Thanksgiving, he and I got to work on Friday Football Friday. We both sure. forecasted then, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, that Washington would win. And I think I think they win two of those games. I'm with you, Kissed. I think that they are absolutely being the Carolina Panthers. There is something to this group in Ron Rivera. I mean, pick pick your your story here. I mean, this, you know, I know Disney Plus, you know, is making a bajillion things. Make a movie about this team if you want, because there's so much to work with. And I think they go to bat for him. I think that they very easily beat the Panthers. I think they beat the Eagles. I don't know what happens against the Seahawks, but the New York Giants are going to get blown out on Sunday Night Football after they got flexed in over the Cowboys. It is what it is. Um, but, you know, hey, Washington is and and you know BLG and I did mention this coming from a Cowboys and Eagles perspective and I think you would agree Kissed I think that Washington winning the division is optimal for any Mm. other NFC East fan because to the point we started this conversation with kind of I do not want a franchise quarterback anywhere near this defense because they are so close to really kind of putting the whole thing together. Um, and no disrespect to Alex Smith, Pete, who will also have a movie oh, made about him, I know. But he is not a long-term option. That's just the reality of it. And so if you remember, can remember, kind of remember this the 5th of Alex November. Smith. Yeah, rem- remember all this Alex Smith slander kissed when we are on Monday Football Monday a year from now, and we are having to hear about Dak and the comeback and the comeback player. The comeback, we just come back. Let's be clear. We just want to throw away the Alex Smith story. I hope he can play again. I know that he's dealing with some calf tightness in that surgically repaired leg, but I, I think he's a good enough quarterback to support this defense. And really, they're a team you just don't want to see in the NFC playoffs, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the quick hits portion of the program. I want to get things started. Uh, I know we haven't heard about one particular award. We did hear about the most coveted award that Monday Football Monday offers. Again, the Yeet of the Week. Congratulations. Um, You know, I think we're working on some physical hardware for that, Kiss. I know you're in the lab, so we'll be mailing those out and things like that. Uh, But uh, I'm going to go with the Taylor Swift album of the week. Um, T-Swift shocking the world and releasing an album late last week, her second one of the year uh taylor swift has more albums in 2020 than the cowboys do home primetime games uh but the uh the taylor swift album of the week goes to indianapolis colts cornerback kenny moore who made what might be the interception of the year on Sunday off of Derek Carr. Uh, You can talk about one-handed catches. They're difficult no matter what. I think they're easier for receivers because they know they're coming. That was just an unbelievable display of athleticism. Uh, So congratulations to Kenny Moore, the Taylor Swift album of the week. Taylor's actual album called Nevermore that she released. And so our Nevermore of the week. That's right. I'm doubling down here. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals coach Zach Taylor. The Bengals got blown out Mm. by the Cowboys, which is the ultimate insult in 2020. Uh, But he benched running back Giovanni Bernard after fumbling early in this game. There were a lot of fumbles for the Bengals. In fact, there were three very early on. Uh, Gio Bernard, I don't put a lot of stock into the whole he's a captain, he's a leader or whatever, but he is very clearly 
the best running back on that team with Joe Mixon out. He's done a lot to carry this team in terms of the backfield for the last month or so while Mixon's been out. I just think that's a really bad look. And I think that that the move on from Zach Taylor talk I know we've had here on this show, but it hasn't totally reached national levels yet. And I feel like that really spat in the face of longtime Bengals loyalists. And that could be the beginning of the end. At the time, I don't know if either of you know this, Giovanni Bernard literally had the longest streak among all running backs in the NFL without fumbling. And so you put him in the doghouse right afterwards. It was really stupid and really dumb. RJ, I I do have to thank you for for filling that blank space. And although it wasn't that good, I'm just going (laughs) to shake it off. Oh, Canada, it's time for the come up of the week. (laughs) Did you guys not know that if you look come up of the week in the dictionary, there's a picture of Denver Broncos wide receiver Deontay Spencer smiling right back at you. This man was a Ram in 2014, spent two seasons with who you ask? The Toronto Aragonauts and the Ottawa Red Blacks of the CFL, also known as the Black Hole of Pro Football. Future future contract with the Steelers, free agent contract with the Denver Broncos, an 83-yard punt return touchdown on Sunday for Denver in a one-score victory. Made the difference in the dub over the Panthers. Congratulations to the most prestigious award winner in this great show that we have, Deontay Spencer, (laughs) smiling back at you from the dictionary. Throwing to you, Kip. Pete, Pete, (laughs) just just to say here, you realize that a, a Broncos wide receiver literally played quarterback this year. Like, this isn't even the greatest thing to happen to a Broncos receiver in the last month. This guy went from the NFL. He went to the CFL up north, north of the border, and found a way back home. And, and good on him to do so. And uh, that's why he wins the come up of the week. Congratulations, Deontay. I've just got one quick hit, and it's regarding the Cardinals-Giants game. Uh, credit to the, the Giants defense, by the way who held the number one red zone offense of the Cardinals to just six points in their first three red zone trips. You should 100% be competitive with a start like that. But the Giants' failures on offense and special teams continually put them up against the wall, and eventually that dam is going to break, and it did in this game. If the Giants end up winning the division, and they use that as a justification to keep general manager Dave Gettleman as their GM, and they don't take a serious look at the quarterback position, it is a catastrophic organizational failure That's going to cost them years. To that point, I don't know what to make of Joe Judge yet, the head coach there, but he will absolutely fail if they do not have a major shift in New York. One last point. I'm sure we're going to talk about this guy on the Palpably Unfair podcast, but Cardinals linebacker Hassan Reddick, five Mm. sacks, three forced fumbles, sweet Christmas. Like this dude was on some serious compound V nonsense. Uh, shout out to people that wow. have binged the boys. <laughs> Final thing we do have to mention, right? Uh, Paul, Paul Gunter, unfortunately, looking for work, fired as the defensive coordinator of the Las Vegas Raiders after really uh, the Indianapolis Colts went crazy. Um, my last thing, and I think an appropriate thing to end this on, did you guys watch any MLS Cup action over the weekend? Um, the MLS Cup was, was finalized or, you know, finished in, in terms of its campaign. Uh, the Columbus Crew, who I actually believe are headed to Austin uh, soon enough. Uh, the Columbus Crew won the MLS Cup. The Columbus Crew are owned by Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Cleveland Browns. So big week for Jimmy Haslam. Wow. His Browns get flexed to Sunday Night Football. I think it's like their fourth game ever on Sunday Night Football. And then his MLS Cowboys team wins the there, yeah. MLS Cup. So pretty cool. Good week for Jimmy Haslam. Better week for uh, the year of the week, though, if I'm being honest. Uh, anyway, thus concludes the latest edition of Monday Football Monday. You can 
can find more of Michael Case at BleedingGreenNation.com, more of Pete Sweeney at ArrowheadPride.com, and more of myself, RJ Ochoa, at BloggerTheBoys.com. You can hear Kissed later this week on the Pupcast with Kyle Posey. You can hear me later this week on the Look Ahead with Rob Stats Guerrera. And uh, next week, maybe we'll have a come up of the week. I don't know. You know, it's it's up for debate. We'll see what happens. Uh, thanks, everybody, for checking us out. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the SB Nation NFL show. And make sure to have the best week ever because Michael Kissed wants you to. We love you all. Yeet.